Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Robbie, uh, and this is the story of how I found hope in Jesus Christ after the loss of my mother. Growing up, I had a, I had a head knowledge about the gospel. I would tell people that I was a Christian, but I didn't really believe the gospel in my heart. And honestly, I, d I didn't care if I had a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. The immorality in my life ranged far and wide, and I sought to control all aspects of my life by myself. In the 12th grade, uh, a friend invited me to, to hear Watermark, and it was here that the seed was sown of the true gospel. That season, looking back, it could be summed up in Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 13 with the parable of the sowers. The parable describes a sower who went out to sow seeds, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, some on rocky ground, some among the thorns, and some on good soil. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 22, Jesus explains the seeds among the thorns, and that was me. And what Jesus said about those seeds, it says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word, and it proves unfruitful. So looking back, I knew back then that deep down, that there was more meaning to life than just worldly things. But at the time, I, I was fine with the idea of Jesus, Jesus being my Savior. But at the time, I didn't, want him to let, I didn't want to let him be the Lord and King over my life. Uh, but all praise and glory be to God. In spring of 2017, my freshman year of college, the Lord used some campus ministers to continually preach the word and to teach me about a relationship with God. I realized that growing up, I had a view of God that if I just did enough good things, then God would love me more and would let me into heaven. But God taught me through that time that a relationship with him is only about trusting in the finished work of Jesus. That it's nothing, nothing that I could do to make me righteous, rather all that Christ has done. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God and not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so it was during this season, spring of 2017, that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Around the same time frame, however, my mom was diagnosed with metastatic stage three breast cancer. And as a new believer, this really hit me like a freight train. My relationship with my mom was great. She was encouraged by my new life in Christ. And at the time, I, just, I couldn't help but ask, why God? At a campus ministry event, I heard a mini-sermon titled, How is God Good in a World Full of Evil and Suffering? And I could really relate, and I just I had to go. It was a question that was pressing my heart at the time as I sought to understand the diagnosis and just the family dynamic that was going on around me. And so the speaker at that sermon, Chuck, he preached from the, uh, the book of Job. And he testified about his own wife, who had a severe illness, and how his faith grew during those trials and tribulations. And when I heard this, I was, I was annoyed. I started the comparison game with my then-current situation, but was eventually humbled and encouraged by Chuck's honesty, even though at the time, I thought it was impossible that anyone's faith could grow during suffering. My mom passed away on April 10th of 2020 after a three-year-long battle with cancer. 
my grief tendency, and it talked about that during the video, just people's tendencies, my tendency was to be stoic, to ignore my feelings. I have two sisters, and I'm the middle brother, which is always an interesting time. Um, in the throes of the days and weeks after, I realized that people grieved my mother's death differently than I did. I had a, a put your feelings away and work, work, work response, whereas other family members in my immediate family, they lean towards isolation and, and really processing and avoiding work. And so looking back, I can relate to what was said um, during this video. I, I unknowingly harbored resentment towards others in my family because they weren't grieving my way, which I thought was the right way. And so very shortly after my mom passed away, um, my, mom, my family, my dad and my two sisters and myself, we attended Grief Share in the spring of 2020 uh, in total Zoom format. And although it was a different dynamic than the one we have today, which I'm very grateful for, um, the videos and the discussion times with our small group were pivotal in how I approached the grief journey. The curriculum taught me that people do grieve differently. Who would have guessed? And it cultivated the opportunity to reconcile with my family members over the harsh words or the bitterness that arose from me in the weeks after my mom's passing. The devotional sections were the biggest impact for me. Taking just a few minutes every morning to just pause, pray, and sit in scripture, it really helped me to foster an eternal perspective. A worship song I discovered during this intense grief season was Though You Slay Me by Shane and Shane. The chorus goes as follows. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. This song, it references Job chapter 31, verse 15, where Job, in the midst of such great sufferings, he makes this beautiful statement of allegiance to God that it doesn't mean the pain is any less. It doesn't mean the hurt isn't real. But such a supernaturally inspired declaration of allegiance to God does say that though this pain may be great, God is truly greater. Since my mother's passing, I have experienced such deep joy in the gospel. I remember growing up, we would go to church, and she would hear the gospel and start crying. I'd be like, what's wrong with you? It's weird. Um, but now at church, I'll hear the gospel, and I'll start tearing up. I'm like, what's going on? He's cutting onions. Um, but truly, I've, I've experienced such deep joy in the gospel. And I've been plugged in, plugged in with a community group here at Watermark, and, and these other men, they pray for me during hard times and encourage me, and that is truly such a blessing. Um, serving them has also been a blessing in my life, and it turns the focus away from me, and it seeks to better love and serve them as Christ did for us. The gospel is what changed my life. All of scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable, but there's one passage in the Bible that has incredibly impacted me and my perspective of the grace and love of the gospel. It's found in the prophetic book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, I encourage you to open to the passage. It's the book of Isaiah chapter 53. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. It was written 600 years before Jesus was born, and it forecasts and predicts his life, his death, and his resurrection. It gives me great confidence in the gospel that it wasn't by random chance 2,000 years ago that Jesus was put on a cross for our sins, but that it was in God's sovereign plan. This passage in Isaiah 53 speaks of the Lord's servants. 
So in verse 2, if you have it open, in verse 2, it, it talks about how this servant grew up like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground with no form or majesty that we should look at him or beauty that we should desire him. So taking a step back, the Jews, when they heard this, they were awaiting for a savior. And they wanted a Herculean type king. I mean, isn't that what we think when we ponder about a superhero or a savior? They should have great stature, the looks, the strength, the strong, authoritative personality. But that is not what God speaks of with his servant who will bear the sin of the world. It says explicitly that we wouldn't even bat an eye at him if we were to see him passing by us at the market. He was like a root out of dry ground. He had, he had no appearance that we should even look at him. Verse 3 goes on to say, he was despised and rejected by men. And this is a big part. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. That's big. Jesus was not only a man of suffering, but he was foremost among the suffering. All of us have a burden to bear, but his was heaviest of all. Yet despite that, despite our rejection of him, it goes on to say that he has borne our griefs. He's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. And verses 5 to 6 are the wheelhouse of the gospel. It says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. How backwards thinking is that? That the men that we rejected... He took our place and bore the punishment that we deserve. Yet that is, I think that's where we believe and begin to understand the idea of, of amazing grace, that there's such a, a chasm between us and God, and Jesus came and filled that. That our sins separated us from God as, as far as the east is from the west, yet Jesus interceded for us, that through him alone we could have a personal relationship with God. Jesus fully atoned for our sin and debt, and declared boldly on the cross, it is finished. To wrap things up, we'll look at verses 6 and 7. And I think it's, it's important to pay attention to the, the lamb and the sheep language in these last two verses. It says, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He, the Lord's servant, Jesus, was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So at the beginning there it says we are like sheep. We wander off. We go off the beaten course. And we as silly sheep, we need a good shepherd to care for us. And I think if you've been in the church for more than one service, you've heard of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yet here, later on, it says that Jesus is described as a lamb and a sheep. And so this is stunning. So Jesus, the great shepherd, he humbled himself to the lowest state of a sheep, of a lamb. So how wonderful is that? That the, the interchange of positions between Jesus and us, so that what we were, he became. In order that the relationship with God, the Father that he has, we might have. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 mentions that Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. 
For the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross for you and me, despising the shame that came with being put on a cross. The joy that was set before Jesus is our reconciliation to him. It gives him great joy. He rejoices with the heavenly angels when we repent and when we come to him. And so I urge you to not give up on the hard work of the heart work at GriefShare. If you don't have a relationship with Christ Jesus, I earnestly, I earnestly encourage you to seek him. For Jesus says that he who asks, it will be given. That he who seeks, he will find. And that he who knocks, the door will be opened. The comfort of knowing that there is a God who deeply cares for me far surpasses any happiness that any worldly thing can bring. I've tried doing life on my own. I've tried doing life on my own, and it pales in comparison to a relationship with Jesus. In full transparency, I am not perfect in my relationship with Jesus. There are still tough days, folks, and, and there are trials that come, but there is a hope that is in a solid foundation. We have the past grace of Jesus' finished work. We have the present grace of his abiding strength, and we have the future grace of the promise of restoration to this broken world. There are days where I confess to the Father that I don't want to read the word, that I don't want to seek him, that I don't want to pray. And I ask for the Holy Spirit to incline my heart, to open my eyes, to unite my divided heart, and to satisfy my heart in him, that I may rejoice in Jesus above all things. I pray that my testimony and your time at GriefShare encourages you to continue in a cross-centered life, to cast your anxieties and burdens to the cross because God cares for you, and to pray with your heart to the Lord who surpasses all understanding and who fully knows our brokenness and needs. Even though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is our comforter, he is our good shepherd, and he is our Passover lamb. I'll close with Jesus' words in John chapter 16, verse 33, which says, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. My name is Robbie. I have a new life in Christ, and to God be the glory. Thank you.